Hi, welcome to AfterBuzz TV's after show for, for American Gothic. This is season one, episode eight already, Kindred Spirits. Now let's find out tonight, will we get a motive for Madeline or will we have a new suspect? Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. I'm so disappointed. You know, I, I'm gone one week and I don't get to DJ anymore. <laughs> it's hey, good, though. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us on our American Gothic after show. What Gabriel was referring to is that, um, as with last week, we started with the American Gothic theme song. It's nice. It's short. It's to the point, And that gives us more time to get into things with all of you. Now, before we get going, I am Zoe Hewitt. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zoe Said What. That's Z-O-E Said What. And sitting immediately to my left is Gabriel. Hey guys, I'm back. You can find me on Twitter at Double G on TV. And I'm Lucretia Lyon, guys, so you can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. Now, as we get started tonight, of course, as always, we will let you know where the painting is. And if this is your first time tuning in with us, every episode title corresponds to a famous American painting. So we'll let you know a little bit about the painting and where that took place in the show as soon as we get there. And um, the other thing that I noticed tonight that we'll talk about as we get to those spots is that there were a lot of flowers. So unlike mm. the birds that we saw a lot, especially at the beginning on clothing, it really all switched to flowers. So I thought maybe it's a big sign mm. of rebirth coming up. But getting into the show, we'll just start with where everyone is right at the beginning because uh, we get a little snippet of everyone. So starting out, we get Garrett, who's at the bank. He's trying to withdraw $200,000, which we find out is with a forged check from Madeline. And um, he goes to urgent care looking for Christina, but decides when she's not there to just give it to the nurse slash receptionist and basically donate the $200,000 to the clinic. Then we have Allison's storyline. Allison is going is with a, saying a staffer has leaked information about Cam going to rehab because there continue to be stories about their family, um, and it seems to be someone who just knows all about their family. So that's the latest story. Madeline says she suspects Naomi, and Allison says, "No, no, she would never do that to us." Then we have Cam, who's in rehab, and um, the nurse there recognizes his, him from his comic strip and uh, says and brings up a very interesting point as well, saying that, of course, he must be an expert on frogs, and, of course, his main character in the comic is a frog, and she says that there are West African frogs who change their gender when they want to, so that continues the theme that we have seen of um, changing and can you change. And then as we round out this cast, we have Detective Cutter, who's saying that um, they discovered that the killer drives a Cadillac, but um, Hawthorne never has one. So they're trying to find um, who it could have belonged to, and Brady notices that the Cadillac that we saw in last week's episode in the videotape has a dent on it, and it's registered to James Camby. And meanwhile, Tessa takes Jack to a special camp for disturbed children. (laughs) And we got the um, big news that she's pregnant, and the doctor can't quite find the heartbeat this go around. So that's where everyone's starting off with the show. Did anyone surprise you with where they were? What did you expect? What didn't you expect? Lucretia? To me, I really liked this episode. It was certainly lighter than it's been, even though they've had a lot of humor moments. This is really sort of, like you said, a rebirth, you know, um, a more positive and optimistic, you know, from everyone's point of view, especially to me, the growth in Cam that we saw. And I was really, you know, happy about that. And then the scene to me that was the best one in the episode was Garrett and Allison on the stakeout. I was like, 
they're they're both smiling. <laughs> I mean, I I have to politely disagree. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, the Sadie and Jack romance mm-hmm. really stole the episode. <laughs> oh, that was me. pretty cute. We're gonna get into that, but um, you know, I was actually really a fan of how they kind of made it less convoluted. We didn't have Naomi there. We didn't have Christina. So we got to really focus back in on our main characters and how their dynamic is changing with each other. And I really like how that was highlighted this episode. Definitely. And so when Garrett took out the 200000 and dropped it off with Christina's clinic, did you expect that's where the money was going? And did you think Madeline was in on it? Because I thought she had probably written the check but didn't know why. Yeah, I sort of thought she may have written the check and trying to get Garrett to leave town because mm-hmm. in the last episode they had very tense moments. Mm-hmm. But for me, I did expect Garrett to do something good with the money. That mm-hmm. part was a duh, yeah. I really thought he was going to deliver it straight mm-hmm. to Christina or mm-hmm. tell the receptionist there to like, hey, put it in the safe for Christina, mm-hmm. have that signature Garrett moment like, I'll know if you didn't give it to Christina. You know, that voice he mm-hmm. does so well that Lucretia's such a fan of. <laughs> <laughs> I think Lucretia's a fan of everything Garrett, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, I really loved the part when uh, in rehab when the nurse was actually talking to Cam because mm-hmm. I liked that story about the frogs and I liked that it continues the theme that we've especially seen in the more recent episodes episodes of this rebirth and can you actually change and it also goes with the theme that Tessa in her storyline this whole episode of wondering if there really is a psychotic gene and could she pass it along so um, I like how everything was set up in this opening so we had our opening credits and then we leapfrog Jack was looking forward to camp but he's looking forward to learning specifically about the poisonous plants (laughs) of course it makes me worried for his little cousins um, Allison's children um, Tessa talks to the head of the camp, who is who's the one who brings us up, that saying that certain behaviors can be genetic. So he does want to know about Mitch because they want to decide if this is a nature versus nurture issue with Jack because that will affect how they treat him. And at the same time, we have Allison and Madeline who go to the journalist to see if they can stop these reports that keep com- keep coming out about their family. And they offer an exclusive an exclusive with her, but she says, "Oh no, I like my source. I am good." And uh, then we get this quick moment with Jack also, like, leading back in before we talk about all this. And uh, Jack seems to be fascinated by a girl he sees stepping on a bug, a girl named Sadie. Now, do we love that Jack has a budding romance? I mean, when he looks at Sadie, you can tell (laughs) there's something there. Well, Jack is the best character on this show. And and it was so cute to see him interested in a girl, especially how young he is, and especially being interested in the fact that she's as dark and twisted as him, (laughs) if not more. I mean, don't you guys just like the idea like that young love? And yes, they're so twisted, Mm -hmm. but they're still so perfect for each other. And I love love how that was just developed. And that's exactly how it is with little kids. Remember, it's like, I like you. And they're just so cute together. As weird as that is when you think about what they talk about. Well, I was I thought it was interesting because they used her stepping on the bug as this big intro. And so you could tell there's something wrong, especially she's at this camp. But it's interesting because in and of itself, that's such an innocuous thing to do, killing a bug. I mean, that's so common. So you know there's something coming. And I felt very curious, like, what did this girl do to get sent to this camp with Jack? I was really curious at that point. Well, I was going to say, remember what it's like being little and having crushes? Just the littlest things that, that your crush does are suddenly so cute. I mean, for a regular kid's 
about the way, you know, maybe she opens a bag of cookies. For Jack, it's about the way that she stepped on the bug that just stole his heart. I think that's par for the course. <laughs> no, that's an issue. You make a good point because I saw it as the action was indicative of something and that's what made him like her. But you're okay. right. It could be he saw her and liked her and that was just what she happened to be doing yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. You're right. So uh, then we jump back over to Madeline and everyone at home. And uh, Madeline and Allison lament sort of their meeting with the reporter mm-hmm. and what happened. And Garrett says, basically, don't worry, guys, I've got this covered. So this was an episode where we saw a lot of Garrett sort of making up with the family. And uh, then we have Cam, who's in rehab still. He's playing foosball with Allison or with April, who's mm-hmm. the nurse mm-hmm. that um, talked to him about frogs earlier. And Sophie shows up. And uh, Sophie's pretty upset when Cam suggests certain things and she says, who told you? And he says it was April. She gets, you know, pretty agitated. and um, A little defensive. A little there. defensive. And she also says Cam's doing well in rehab and that maybe she wants a part of it. But Cam, to me, did not look like he wanted her in rehab. Now, what, do you guys, did you feel that way also? Or do you think there was something else going on? To me, it was just... This April, so far, we do see the chemistry between her and Cam, and obviously Sophie is threatened by that, but I feel like she's threatened more about him getting off of heroin and thus getting off of her. That's why that, you know, analogy really fit, because she sees this is where he leaves her. You know, know, whenever he gets clean, he's done with Sophie as well. So I feel like Sophie was not so much jealous of... April in that moment, but jealous of losing um, Cam to being sober. Right. In that moment, that analogy you're talking about, we'll talk about that later in the episode, too. That's an analogy that April gives. And yeah, I think she is nervous about losing Mm. him, for sure. Do you think so, too? I thought it was, yeah, exactly. I think it was actually a combination. Like, you know, she still feels, you know, like Cam is supposed to be hers. So when she sees him having fun with another woman and it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, what's going on? She gives her that kind of look. But yeah, it's definitely a combination. She understands that um, part of her control and her relationship with Cam is the fact that they do have this thing that's a negative force in their lives. So the fact that Cam is, you know, literally and figuratively getting away from both of them, that's uh, that's threatening Sophie. So I think that's very interesting to see and it's very organic, which yeah. I really like about that. I moment. agree with you. I think she realizes that he's sort of going somewhere without her. Although he has been to rehab before. That in and of itself is not new. But it feels like maybe this is a little more permanent that he wants it. Maybe because we never saw the other times. I was going to say, maybe before Sophie only saw him with like this ugly old guy nurse. (laughs) And now, you know, this cute nurse is Mm -hmm. like, oh, she likes your comics. (laughs) Maybe that's it. You never know. Good old fashioned jealousy. Mm -hmm. Right, Lucretia? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So um, moving on from there, then, Detective Cutter and Brady, who initially had a very adversarial relationship, seem to be BFFs now. And they're still hard at work on the SBK, SBK case. And uh, they drive out to James Comby's house. And he's, of course, the one who was, had the Cadillac registered to him. And uh, there are lots of um, like early warning signs there. We see pots hanging off of ropes. They make a lot of noise. And when they knock, a blind woman opens the door. And uh, Brady starts taking photos around her house. But she does somehow know. And she says, you know, she calls him out on it and says, don't do that without permission. And they talked to her, and it turns out that James was her husband. He's been dead for 27 years, and she did keep the car, but it was stolen from her property 20 years ago. And um, they leave, but Brady is still very suspicious. And um, so 
he definitely feels like there's more to the story. Now, my first thought was, how did she know he was taking photos? Did you guys have that thought too? Uh, no, because I've read Daredevil. So <laughs> I know how, and Stevie Wonder is also a good example, how blind people are able to have their other senses heightened because while they may not be able to see directly, they feel everything and have a bit of awareness that say we wouldn't have. I was going to say, I've been seeing a lot of commercials for that movie. Don't breathe about the, you know, blind guy who kills the people in his house. And it's so, I was like, yeah, that's, that's par for the course. She's going to know they're up to something, but yeah, I agree with Lucretia. Just, her senses are up, and it just added to the atmosphere of that scene that, oh, it's like, how did she do it? <laughs> You're right, and I had heard that also about heightened senses, but then it did cross my mind for a minute, like, can she see and she's faking? But then it was clear that that wasn't where it went. Where it went is that the car was stolen, it belonged to her husband, and so then we have, of course, the mystery of how did the car get to the Hawthorns, so... Perhaps we'll find out later in this episode. Perhaps not. <laughs> it's <laughs> like she knows something, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It does seem like she knows something, especially when she says she has never heard of the Hawthorne family before. Mm. Brady looks suspicious. So uh, maybe Brady's spidey sense is going here to speak of another comic character. <laughs> sure you love all the comic references oh, no. we're making tonight. Yes, a lot. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> So um, Garrett and Tessa then have a heart-to-heart, and um, Garrett notices that she's buttering bread and has been for a while. And she starts asking him about these inherited genes, and does he think that it is possible to have an inherited gene? And she worries about passing it along to the baby. So in fact, Garrett is the first person she tells if she's pregnant. And you can tell Garrett doesn't know exactly how to react. And uh, Tessa says, please don't tell anyone. And, uh, you know, she needs to go to the doctor, the first appointment, they couldn't find the heartbeat. But Garrett says, hey, don't worry, I'll go also. And uh, speaking of kids, then we get Jack and Sadie who are at work camp, and you even see a sign behind them that says, all fun must be earned. So they are very (laughs) clear about what they're doing. And uh, Jack says, hey, let's go to my uncle's cabin. She doesn't want to go, but as soon as Jack says, don't worry, he was a suspected serial killer. The police (laughs) suspected him. She said, hey, I am on board. It doesn't she say, I love her lines, like, you should have opened with that. Right. It's like, very assertive little young woman there. <laughs> so I think this is really our first actual clue that there's something more to her than just she happened to step on a bug that many people would do. And just so you know, wanting to check out a serial killer cabinet at that age is very normal. <laughs> Some of us turn out to be, you know, perfectly <laughs> rational human beings. Who do things like host online after shows, things like exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so have you checked out a lot of serial killer cabins? Uh, no, but I did break into to an abandoned house at a graveyard when I was Sadie's age. <laughs> but did you step? <laughs> I was like, that's not that weird, guys. Like, right? You know, I'm not gonna lie. I have stayed at a, what was supposed to be a haunted hotel room. Oh, I've uh, been to many. And that's you know what? Nothing happened. And I was like, you know what? I wasted done. my money on this. <laughs> Zoe, what about you? Have you? I have never had this fascination fascination that you two seem to share. You just collected owls. <laughs> that was your thing. It was one no. year when Pure One had a lot of That's them. That's all you need. Well, <laughs> this birds are way weirder than going to serial right. killer haunted hotels. I mean, they're actually, funny thing about the Hawthorne name is in Salem, Massachusetts, which is a big ripoff people, not as cool as it seems, there is the <laughs> Hawthorne Hotel, which is supposedly haunted, but as I say, it's pretty fake. 
<laughs> so yeah. that's where we you can go We gotta go, go on vacation sometime. <laughs> I'm going to New England in two weeks, so awesome. I'll probably drop by there anyway. <laughs> Take some photos for yeah. the show. Right. So uh, then we have Garrett and Allison on a stakeout, which uh, you guys mentioned earlier in the episode, too. Um, so they're on a stakeout, and Allison says, hey, it's pretty boring. Um, Garrett says, hey, I was living by myself in the woods. This is excellent. <laughs> um, Garrett says she'll be a great mayor because she's a pain in the ass, and that's basically because as they're talking about figuring out who the source is, she uh, sends off a message about getting the streets fixed, and um, then they see Tom come out of the reporter's house. So their stakeout was in front of the reporter's house. He shows up. Is he the source? Well, Tom goes to talk to Allison at headquarters. She does confront him and says, hey, our arrangement is over. What was this? Was it revenge sex? He says, well, I was trying to get more information. Yes, I realized that she probably wasn't the best choice for a casual thing. And then the two agree to transparency. So at this point, did you guys think Tom was actually the source or did you think this was a red herring? Yeah, I didn't think I didn't think Tom was the source just because it was way too obvious that, you know, oh, it's Tom. Mm, no. I was more disappointed that I didn't recognize her from last week's episode. That was like, you know, oh, it is the same. That, I cannot hold on to the pen tonight. I don't know what it is. That clattering it's good. Look, it's pen. Lucretia. She's making me nervous. I think so. Yeah, but um, it's all those no. haunted hotels. Yes. Got chills under the shirt. Well, no, I guess but, um, I was the only one who bought into it. I thought Tom was the source. I was hook, line, and sinker earlier. I had thought it was Naomi for sure. Oh, I and agree. Then I, I saw Yep, and then I saw Tom come out, and I was like, okay, sorry, Naomi. (laughs) I was actually still hoping, I actually thought it would be April, because I thought, well, that would be the biggest twist, and she makes sense that, like, well, one of them has, it's got to be someone that they're not aware of, you know, that the other is talking to, and I thought, wouldn't that be something, you know, she's getting cammed open up about everything, but I was wrong. Technically, we're all wrong, because it wasn't Tom either. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I was glad that it wasn't April, because, like, Cam's life sucks. I mean, let's let's give him a bone here. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. That's true. While we were watching, Gabriel said, that's it. She's she's the leak. And yeah. I said, no way. I yeah. did not buy it at all. So, But you're right, Lucretia, all three of us were 100% wrong this yep. go around. So, so, hey, anyone in the chat, anyone who's watching, let us know in the comments, hey, who did you think was the source at that point? And that's a great point. If you would like to continue this discussion with us, please feel free to hit that thumbs up button um, on the video. Leave us a comment. Continue the discussion. And you can also subscribe to us on iTunes to make sure that you make sure to get the rest of the episodes. We don't have that many more left, but I'm sure there are some good things ahead. And don't forget on YouTube, give us those five stars. Well, no, five stars is on iTunes. YouTube, it's thumbs up. Oh, thumbs up. So uh, whatever you do, please do it positively. (laughs) Now, moving on in the show, we have my favorite BFFs here, Brady and Detective Cutter, who uh, discuss also an ivory chip that was found with the belt. Now, this is news to all of us. We haven't seen this piece of evidence before, but they say that also maybe they can't find any additional info because they're getting railroaded from someone up above within the police force. And uh, while they're looking through things, they find a program from Mitchell's funeral, or a detective cutter actually holds it up, and Brady says, wait a minute, and he goes through all the photos he had been taking at um, the blind woman's house, and lo and behold, we see part of the funeral program. So it's James's widow who had that. So after saying, oh no, I don't know them, 
surprise she did. So uh, followed right there about 33 minutes in is our big painting scene. Uh, Kindred Spirits is the painting. It was done in 1849 by Asher Brown Durand and um, he was part of the Hudson School of Painters, Hudson River School of Painters, and it depicted another painter and his friend um, actually in the Catskill Mountains. So you can definitely look that up for more info. But we get that shot. It's Jack and Sadie who are looking out uh, at camp overlooking the cabin, Garrett's cabin in the woods. And um, they're each sort of trying to outdo each other with their craziest behaviors. <laughs> oh, this is what I did to a dead raccoon. Hey, this is what I did to a cat. And I think Jack realizes that he is with the right person when Sadie's first question <laughs> when she hears that he cut off a cat's tail is, hey, did the nerves regenerate? And I think that's young love for sure. So Aww. then they go to the cabin um, and they just walk right in. Jack takes something out of a drawer. But in the meantime, we see a bow and arrow or we see the arrow part of it hit the wall right in front of him. He looks over and he sees that Sadie has picked up a bow and arrow and is shooting at him and uh, then challenges him to put a tin can on his head so she can shoot it off. And he, with some quick thinking, says it's his turn to shoot the bow. And she puts the can on her head and you can see him considering, should he shoot her in the face? Should he go for the can? (laughs) Is this perhaps a bad idea? And when he hesitates a bit too long, Sadie says, oh, you didn't have it in you. And she is so disappointed in him. Um. Now... Poor Jack. You know, well, you know, it's that's young love. You get yeah. your heart broken a lot. It's okay. Yeah, because even a little girl wants the man to be a man oh, and try to shoot me with the crossbow. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, guess, I guess Sadie just wants a badder boy than Jack, as hard as that is to believe at his age. But this is interesting, too, because this is also the very first time and the only time, which I guess is evidenced by the word first, but the first time that Jack has made the right choice instead of moving with the throw my toy, throw the toy onto the pool so my cousin will drown choice, he thinks maybe shooting my friend is a poor idea. And so he hesitates, which I feel like is also a little bit of hope for these serial killer genes that are in him. Yeah, I mean, that's a sign that he possibly doesn't have psychopathy, that you know, the remorse and thinking through that decision shows that he's just growing up. Because a lot of times kids do this weird crap, you know. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is usually they grow out of it and become hosted after Buzz. Or <laughs> <laughs> I do have to yeah. take umbrage with the fact oh, yeah. that I don't think that um, his behaviors are normal. Yeah. But yes, growing up. And um, thank you, Amy Motorhouse, in the chat that it's a crossbow. You're right. Mm-hmm. That is the very specific type of bow that they were holding that he would not and could not shoot. Gabriel, did you think he was going to shoot Sadie in the face? You know what? No, you, not because he didn't want to know for the science. I think he was a little intimidated that if he didn't take her out, she was probably going to put a few extra arrows in him. You know, that he understands as a you know young man that when you're dealing with an assertive woman that sometimes you have to give her her space and you have to admit when you're just not man enough for her. And I think Jack at a young age is learning that. Well, the science is an interesting point because that is one of the things we've seen with all of his creepy, terrible behaviors up until now. There has always been a scientific reason for them. And this is the first one that, right, there would not be a scientific reason other than she told me to shoot her, so I did. So let's hope for some remorse. Let's hope that Jack can pull out of this. But then it wouldn't be any fun. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all in the name of science. You know, he has a rational mind. (laughs) He does somewhat, perhaps. Um, I'll give you that. Cough, cough. I don't think so. (laughs) Now, Cam and the nurse uh, start talking again, and uh, Sophie, it turns out, tried to get her fired. And uh, but she says, don't worry, I understand, and basically gives an analogy that you guys alluded mm-hmm. to earlier, that is um, Cam's relationship with heroin is very similar to his relationship with Sophie, and that he feels bad after after interacting with either one of them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of regret, there's a lot of bad behavior, and he realizes, wait a minute, if basically if I need to give up heroin, I probably also need to give up Sophie. And it was also during this scene that I realized just how many flowers we've been seeing in this episode up to this point, so that's where it really struck me. I noticed that uh, there were lots of flowers with them on the wallpaper um, also in the blind woman's house Sophie's tattoo even on her neck we see a lot oh, of flowers yeah. so mm-hmm. this is a this is the point in the episode where it stood out to me wait a minute there is a lot of rebirth here and a lot of flowers so what did you think did you expect that Sophie would have tried to get April fired I did I mean you saw when she came in she's like I've got to stop this and as I say it really is not so much about the jealousy between him and another woman it's the jealousy of him not being with her in heroin and yeah you see that she is this dark force and you know that's probably what's more wrong with Jack versus the MOA gene as they Mm -hmm. say because yeah I I loved when the counselor said is it nature or nurture they're trying to figure out it's like it's a little bit of both when both your parents are heroin addicts (laughs) and I feel that Cam when he's not with her and not on heroin he sees that and then Sophie's just seeing him further and further get away from that Mm -hmm. I was gonna say I actually thought that she was gonna try to finesse her way into you know rehab just to like be close to cam and really just sabotage the process that he's going through so i didn't expect it to be just so blunt she's jealous she wants april fired um that was just my biggest surprise that oh it's just it was just jealousy after that just because i feel like sophie's got so many more layers to her character that i really thought she would have had something else Mm -hmm. to say than just i don't like her she's talking to my man get her out Right, and that's an interesting point. It clearly was pure jealousy. There wasn't even a pretense, really, at something else going on. It was just jealousy. And uh, clearly jealousy can happen anytime and with Mm -hmm. anyone and anywhere. And uh, so then we move on to uh, the reporter who then is reporting on the psychotic gene. And so um, Tessa, we've got Tessa and Garrett and Madeline who are all there and they they're saying, how does she know these things? You know, only a couple of people knew. And at that point, Garrett realizes, wait a minute, where were you, Tessa, when you told me about the pregnancy? And he goes over and he finds a bug in the house. Now, at that point, I say, I feel like, yes, I get credit. I said, oh, that is where they had sex when Tom was in the house in the last episode. So did you guys expect the bug to be there? Did you expect a bug? To me, I didn't think it was a bug till the report just before where it was about Tessa's pregnancy. And I was like, oh, it's got to be a bug because, yeah, she didn't tell anyone other than Garrett. And so, yeah, but I expected it to at least turn out to be someone else bugging rather than just Jennifer. Yeah, I I was trying to figure out, I was like, wait, well, who else has been in the house? Could it be Sophie? That's some of the ideas that had crossed my mind. But then... Uh, once again it's one of those moments where i'm disappointed i didn't see it where she had Mm -hmm. that oh you made me slip and she Mm -hmm. touches the table and then Mm -hmm. it's like i mean they even do it in the you know the recap Mm -hmm. of this episode before it aired Mm -hmm. and i was like i should have seen that one i should have figured that out (laughs) before but 
unexpected right until then and then garrett being the smart guy he is for a guy who hasn't been around technology he finds it very easily i find that surprising (laughs) this is true and i did not expect a bug in the least i was sure that the bug so to speak the source was a person so that part surprised me but as soon as he said there's a bug i was like i remember this so um they figure out there's a bug and then um tom and allison talk and she says hey by the way did you have sex in our kitchen and he says well in the pantry so clearly that is where the bug came from. Now, my favorite BFFs, Detective Cutter and Brady, head back to uh, James's widow's house. We never really get a name for her other than Mrs. the missus. Camby. Other than the missus. So um, they go in what seems like the middle of the night for no good reason. That's never explained. And it turns out that she is dead. And uh, we did get that in part of the preview from last week that someone wasn't going to make it. And uh, as they're talking, um, the bo- uh, Brady and Detective Cutter's boss is there, and he basically says, oh, and by the way, you know, breaks the news about Tessa being pregnant, which Brady hadn't known. So he goes home, Brady goes home and confronts Tessa. She says she's not sure that she wants the baby because of the genes. She's disturbed by it. And um, she and Brady and she says, Brady, like, where have you been? You're an absentee dad. And he confesses that they think there is a second person who is working with Mitch on the um, on the case. But hey, the baby's what we wanted, he says. So hooray! And then Allison confronts the reporter about this bug and threatens and says, Hey, you'll have five years in prison if you um, if we press charges. We want you to cover our family, but only good things. And then there's this crazy scene where she says, Take off your shirt. She holds up a pair of scissors. I thought they were going to sleep together, I admit. But she cuts off her turtleneck and hands it back and says, put it back on. It makes the woman pull up the shirt and then we get a V-neck. So, (laughs) where to start with that? I actually sort of expected when she's like, take off her shirt. I was like, she's going to ruin it because she hates the turtleneck because it was mentioned so many times by her and Madeline. But I did not expect her just to turn it into a perfect crew neck. I'm like, (laughs) Allison's got skills, man. I mean, I'm going to just say right now, I think she has the skills to kill somebody as we she just demonstrated so i'm gonna just throw that out there it was so dark and twisted but it was kind of steamy i kind of liked it and i was like oh wow i really and also, liked Allison. i'll give right? you the steamy but i don't know how you got that she has the skills to kill someone from I the mean, fact that she know, cut a shirt it, okay when you can make precision cuts like that with it she didn't even measure she just eyeballed it and mm-hmm. perfect little v-neck show off a little more of miss mm-hmm. jennifer windham Oh, amazing. But no, I thought it was very interesting. And also I found it very... We know how Allison rolls and how she kind of checks her out as she's circling her intimidating nerves like, "Uh uh-huh. I mean, that's that was just a great scene. It was awesome. Yeah, and, Amy Motorhouse in the chat says the cinematography was fantastic yeah. in that scene. Very suggestive, very bold. I yeah. like that. Yeah. I, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. I thought they were going to sleep together. Yeah. I thought that if the reporter didn't want to, if Jennifer didn't want to, that Allison would force her to. So it would be a case of rape, essentially, because <laughs> I agree. I felt like she was circling and she was eyeing her like a piece of meat. So that was... My expectation for where that scene was going. Clearly, I was wrong, but she did get a look down the cleavage as she walked out. Lucky Allison. 
<laughs> now, we move back into rehab, and if you are paying attention to the flowers in the show, there were some outside uh, through the window that you could see them behind Cam and Sophie who were talking. And Cam says, hey, our relationship is over. There's no blame, but I am taking responsibility. I'm not going to change my mind. I don't want you anymore. So it's pretty harsh. And uh, Sophie is pretty upset as well. That's what I got from, from that scene. I think Sophie is sad to say goodbye to him. If she, Do you think that she also thinks that this is the end? I think she thinks it's the end, but she'll try to weasel her way back in. She'll just dangle some heroin. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't think yeah. she'll go without a fight. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's over at all, but I think it's very clear that Sophie's heartbroken. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I think so heartbroken. And so I had a lot of sympathy for her in this. And it's like, I feel like I keep wanting her to be good, I guess. And, you know, and we've seen some of where she's good for Cam. But overall, she's not. And she doesn't seem to want to get clean the way Cam does. And that's something that we've seen consistently as well. Yeah, and it's especially sad because she is Jack's mom. And But, yeah, if you don't want to get clean for your child and you, you toy with your, you know, husband or it's like, wow, this is not a character you can root for. Yeah. I, I no. actually think that right now it puts Sophie in a little bit of danger because I can see them, you know, foreseeably trying to have Sophie change her ways because she loves Cam and Jack and the idea of their family that much. But they live in Boston that's being terrorized by this guy named the Silver Bells murderer. So mm-hmm. I think that um, Sophie's actually kind of... Uh, uh, She's in danger right now. I could see her, you know, not making it for the sake of, you know, trying to affect the Hawthorns right now. Well, yeah. at this point, though, in this show, um, the Silver Bells killer is not back in action. We do know that uh, the missus is dead, but we don't know for sure that it was the original killer. Who else could we it be? We just know yeah. someone who is close. It could be someone who's going for um, protecting the family, not knowing anything else. And uh, and Sophie and uh, Cam are together and on and off, I guess. Are they officially married? I don't think They're so. They're separated. Yeah, I think they in- introduced her as his wife, but like estranged. I don't think they were actually divorced, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't remember them being married. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys are in the chat and you yeah. remember for sure are they married or not. Let us know. And uh, then we have Garrett and Tessa who talk in the foyer on the stairs, which is a place where we've seen... Other conversations take place, and if you notice behind them on a huge table is a huge, huge, huge set of orchids, uh, absolutely giant orchids right behind them. And um, Tessa in the scene is wearing a shirt with flowers on it, which is reminiscent to me of, I think it was even the very first episode when Garrett showed up, we saw her in a shirt with owls on it, so... Um, now we, she has officially switched to the florals. And uh, Garrett says, hey, even if the baby has the psychotic gene, don't worry. The baby will be okay. With you as a mother, Brady, Brady as the father, it will be fine. And so we see the OB appointment, and uh, Tessa's there with Brady. And so it's great because originally it was supposed to be Garrett who showed up. And um, as she takes out the phone to take a camera, of, uh, take a photo of their ultrasound, she sees that she has a text from the camp and that Jack has been kicked out. And um, then as we head into the big finale of the episode, we see the reporter who is now Jennifer, who's now saying great things about the family. 
And while she's talking and they're watching her on TV, you can see um, a bird claw in the foreground, and that's a lamp that we've seen a lot. And now as we head into the big finale climax of the episode, we have Tessa, who shows up at home with Jack, and um, turns out he was found with a knife. She puts the knife down on the table, Jack goes into the bathroom, and Brady looks at it and realizes, wait a minute, this is the knife that the ivory piece that we have would fit directly into. So he asks Jack, hey, where did you get the knife? Finds out that it came from Garrett's cabin. And um, at the same time now, we see... Allison and Madeline toasting with Garrett. So he has finally been accepted back into the family, and we have Brady, who is about to issue an arrest warrant for him. And that takes us to the big finale of the episode. Now, did you think Garrett... I mean, we've been back and forth about Garrett this whole time. I'm still clinging. I don't think it's Garrett. Yeah, I don't think it's Garrett. As I've said, he may have killed one person, but I don't think it was like he's some crazy psychotic because, you know, he's too cute for that. But it's just a matter of it may have been something that he had to do in order to protect the family or maybe something Madeline or Mitch made him do because he doesn't exhibit any of the psychotic traits, actually. Well, and I mean, but talking yeah. also about killing someone, that was actually yeah. part of the scenes for next yeah. week. So we don't know anything about if he did or didn't kill anyone mm-hmm. within the context of this show. Garrett, I know you're dying to say something. You know oh, what? Did I, I just call you Garrett. <laughs> Gabriel. I, and I, I'm hoping it's because, you know, we're both devilishly handsome yeah. in that bad boy way. So <laughs> and possibly a killer. I mean, it, that's what works. No, <laughs> no but um, you know what? I. I've been saying it like I know he's obvious, but don't rule him out. Mm. I mean, that's my theory that I'm sticking to. I will say that it is okay. I'm glad he's such a strong player on the board right now, but I actually think they're going to do a bit of a swing, and we're going to have a Garrett Allison because they're the two siblings who, at the beginning, very strange, very separate, but lately they've been getting chummier mm. and. Maybe they were that way once before, too, when they were secretly plotting the murders in Boston. So then you think there were three people involved. I think that it's a red herring that uh, Mitch's blood is on the belt. Okay. So actually, you... Yeah, that was actually one of my predictions that I didn't get to say last week while you guys were doing an amazing job. But yeah, <laughs> I think that was, um, I think that that's where we're going. By the way, yes, I was very mad that Alice and Naomi aren't together anymore, Lucretia. <laughs> I know, I was concerned for you. It broke my heart. (laughs) Well, as we lead into predictions, I do also just want to pat myself on the back because as we've been Mm. keeping track each week, twice now Mm. I've been the only one who said I predicted Madeline. But I guess after this episode, I shouldn't be too excited about that because she might be out again. I was going to say, she had a quiet episode. She did have a quiet episode. Yeah, she did, but I've said it was her from the beginning. Not officially. I was like, Um, I've always said Madeline is somehow involved because she pulls the strings. As I said last week, I was like, she pulls the strings. She already killed one person on the show, so I think that you can't just add to the total subliminally. (laughs) So, um, I think then that wraps up this week's episode. Let's head into some predictions. Then we have only a few episodes left. And now, your AfterBuzz TV predictions. This music always makes me think of, like, a fun house. Yeah. <laughs> Our prediction music. So, Lucretia, let's start at your end of the table. What do you predict? 
You know, I'm still saying that Madeline is somehow involved because to me, she is the only person with somewhat a motive that matches the SBK. Because we, as we found out, you know, that she grew up uh, without money and the way that she pulls the strings and the family and the fact that she did kill Mitch and Garrett's behavior with her, other than this episode, has always been standoffish. Like, you know, there's something there. So, yeah, to me, she's still at the helm. And to me, she was the only one who maybe could have killed the old lady. I don't know. Hmm. Oh. No. That's right. We need a prediction for mm-hmm. who killed the right. who killed the missus. Yeah. Gabriel, I mean, not Garrett. I was going to say, <laughs> uh, if I'm not mistaken, Garrett was the only family member not accounted for when Mrs. Camby was found dead. So just throwing mm-hmm. that out there. But, yeah, like I said, I think we have a Garrett and Allison thing. Allison... Yeah, so we see a little more of an edge to her, but also I feel like whatever part Mitch played, Allison kind of, I felt like, wants to ascend to the, I don't want to say throne, but just that patriarchy of the house. She wants to be the one in charge, and whatever part Mitch played, I think Allison wants to take that role, and I think part of that is being SBK, so I think it's a Garrett-Allison swing, and maybe Madeline's the missing Mm -hmm. link. You're just voting everyone on the yeah. show. No. <laughs> yes. Okay, Garrett, Garrett, and Tessa, Garrett yeah. Allison, Madeline did not kill one SBK victim. Mm. Okay, so now your vote. May I use your pen, please? Mm, Thank you, because I left one. Okay, so we've got Lucretia, who's still on board with Madeline. Mm-hmm. We've got Gabriel, who I don't know why I want to say Garrett. Mm. Who are you voting? Tell me again. Uh, Garrett and Allison. Mm. Garrett, your namesake. <laughs> and now. Lucretia, do I look like a Garrett to you? Totally. Oh, that is like the best compliment ever. You guys know. You're so sweet. Okay. This episode, I am officially ruling Tessa out. Uh, I don't suspect her. I am also officially ruling Cam out. I don't suspect him. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Because last week, I mean, you weren't here, Garrett Gabriel, but Lucretia (laughs) and I were on board with Madeline. I think I'm going to stick with Madeline and um, think we're going to come back around. I don't think I'm convinced by Garrett. Allison makes me question, but I'm going to stick with my horse in this race, I think. I'm sticking with Madeline right now. It's a bold move. And we have um, Amy Motorhouse, who's still in the chat with us, who's chiming in. She is also voting Madeline. Why else would she kill her husband, loose ends? And I know they all have reasons. They all have motive. So we will find out next week on episode nine. Well, we'll find out something at least. (laughs) And uh, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of our after show. Remember, hit that thumbs up button, subscribe, and where can everyone find you guys on social media? Well, since I'm Lucretia Lyon, you guys can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. By the end of this after show, I want to be able to spell it myself without <laughs> looking at it. Um, you guys can find me all the time on Twitter at Double G on TV. A lot of great Olympic coverage lately. And I'm Zoe Hewitt. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zoe Said What. That's Z-O-E Said What. You can also find me on YouTube at Zoe Hewitt Hosting, where I do a weekly movie analysis show talking about themes, symbolism, eagle-eyed details to watch for, great things like that. And until next week, have a great week ahead, you guys. Bye-bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later.
The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.